Welcome back to another episode of Mommy and Me. I am Brie Renee. And I'm Miss Renee, straight from the A. We're going to work on her finding her own tagline because that's mine. But anyways, um, I'm from, I'm Miss Renee from the original A. How about that? There's only one Atlanta. But I was here before you. Okay, sweetie. Okay, anyway, if you have not done so, please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to our channel so you never miss a Mommy and Me Mondays. You guys have been checking in. We love all the support that we receive, and so keep letting us with them comments. Whether it's a question that you want us to ask, a topic that you want us to cover, or something that you want to know that we can address in the I Want to Knows, we got you. So this actually came, This today's topic actually came from the comments. Okay. Um, you know, we've posted a lot of things, clips talking about family, everything from gentle parenting to um, you had a clip go viral a couple weeks ago about um, you had a clip go viral. What? I'm ta- I'm just kind of reminiscing about that. Every time I hear that word gentle parenting, it kind of does something to me. Like, it, yeah, it's cringy. It cringes me, okay? It, it just does something to me. It just sends shockwaves through my body. You need help. Oh, uh, anyways, so in the comments, after I posted the clip about you saying you didn't raise me to be, um, I think it was that episode, yeah, when you were talking about not raising me to be just a wife, right? A lot of people in the comments were talking about this is what's wrong with the black community and the black family, right? And we're not here to address that because we've addressed that in the for the record in a previous episode. But it got me thinking about what is wrong with the black community? What is wrong with the black family? And so, because we always say this is it. We want to point at this and this and that and that, right? But I truly believe there are several roots to the problem like if we're getting to the root issue systemic issues yeah i think there are several <clears throat> system I, I believe there are several systemic root problems systemic is root uh, can you sit still i dropped my phone that helps my back doing too much okay i'm sorry okay so you believe systemic I is really systemic means no root. systemic means there's a <clears throat> system that's what systemic means root means the main cause okay so there is actually there are several main causes that are systemically built into our society so we always talking about what's the root what's the root what's the root of the issue in the black community well i want to start off by saying there's several roots of the issues there's several issues and and instead of continuously badgering or complaining or continuing to bitch and moan and gripe about the roots how many ways how how many of these roots are going to lead us to the fruit of the solution so i don't want us to continue while we will address some of those root issues i want us to focus on finding the fruit and the solution to how we can better our black communities now when we list the issues yes there is a lack of education in our community. Yes, there is police brutality, right? There is, um, and all of these, like we said, are system, I can't even say it, systemically, right? Mm-hmm. Systemically built into our country. Mm-hmm. They don't want, and there's reasons why black schools in 
predominantly black areas don't have the quality teachers or quality textbooks or get the type of curriculum and principles and, and resources that they need for those children to grow up to have the education that they need to compete in America. That's a, a root issue, right? That's one of them. Mm -hmm. Another root is we, we don't have a lot of black homes, married family units, right? Mm -hmm. We And I solely, I, I started to Google like and do research on this and I, and I seen that like, in times time.com actually did uh, an article on it and they were saying how breaking up the black family and creating that pain has always meant profit for our country dating all the way back to welfare uh, they did they purposely did not pay black men equal and fair wages especially in the city of atlanta there's actually a documentary about it they did not pay black men equal and fair wages in the 60s the 70s and 80s because they didn't want obviously, for them to be able to provide not only for themselves, but their families. And then on the other hand, they took and they told black women, you can't even receive governmental assistance if there's a two-parent home. So it forced black parents at that time to make tough decisions about, do we have a man in the household for the sake of having a man in the household to be a partner to not only the wife, but as also to help raise these children do we have him in the household even though he can only provide three? This lady said that um, in the city of Atlanta, they most most black men were working in construction or in these type of labor jobs, but these jobs were only available three to six months out the year. You know, they also, not only were they only available for a limited amount of time, these jobs also weren't play, paying black men the same equal and fair wages that they were playing, paying white men for these jobs. Mm -hmm. So do you let a black man <laughs> live in the home and only be able to provide three to six months out the year for this entire family? Or does the black man then leave the home so that the, the woman can receive welfare and um, governmental assistance 12 months out the year? And when you got children that need to be fed 24 seven, clothed 24 seven, you know, that's a tough decision for a family to make. So it wasn't that black men left the home because black men didn't want to take care of their responsibility, not all of them. You know, it wasn't that black men hated black women so much that they started to drive us out the, the, the that that we drove them out the home or black women didn't want to have be wives. And this and it wasn't these narratives that we have continued to perpetuate years and years and years on end. These are the stories that I think and these are the imaging that they are feeding us. They're telling us this so we can hate ourselves so we can continue to be divided and then can't join together against them. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like these are roots. We, we just gonna get out all the roots so then we can focus on the solution. I think another issue is because we have the lack of education, then we can't go out there and compete. In the, and a lot of us don't compete at a high level when it comes to career in the career field. Because you lack education, you lack stability or, or good credit or all these things, you can't financially compete with other races. All of that is true. And from my from from my generation what i've seen is we the playing field was never even it's never been even in it's this never been even in this country for african americans um unfortunately we've had to make some very tough decisions you know those decisions like you said do women choose to get the assistance they need so they can feed and clothe their children 24 7 or do they choose to keep the man in the house so that you know, and then and then be de disqualified from those those uh, uh, benefits? Sure, those things are are there; they exist. 
but we have to do a better job in educating our children to prepare them for this type of world. A lot of people don't even don't even believe that that, that exists today. Well, that's not an issue today. You know, kids, are, we've grown. We've, we've given them a better education. We've, we, we, we've given them. No, we haven't. We've, we continue to just sweep things under the rug. And to the extent that, you know, I, I, when you mentioned the education part, it took me back to a time when you went from a, you, were in, you and your sister went to M&M schools. Well, for a lot of people, M&M schools back in the day were minority to majority. Well, everybody was all in the uproar, clapping hands, you know, standing on top. You know, we were just delighted that we could go from a minority school that was or a minority community to a majority, majority school. Right. That yeah. were, but here's, here's the key to that. Here, here's the problem. Why would Here, we... Here's the problem to that. First of all, we should have been raising hell that that program even existed. We should have been demanding equal at the particular time. Because, see, there were a lot of things that you were exposed to in the, in the majority school where you were not being exposed to in the minority school. That's a problem. My tax dollars paid just as much taxes on the south side of the cab as it did on the north side of the cab. But yet and still, the better schools were always in the northern side of the cab. Why? That's a problem. Mm-hmm. And, but, but see, we as a community have, have not done, or we, we failed to come together mm-hmm. and, and look at the global, the systemic issues, the root issues, and deal with those issues. You know, they talk about, you know, our kids are, are on the fast track to prison. Yes, they are. Our young black men, yes, they are. You know why? Because statistically, they have decided that they can tell from, from the time that a young kid is in the third grade whether or not he's on the fast track to prison or not. They, they start predicting that. Based on their reading and IQ levels. Right. Based on, and we should be able to demand better, but we're not. We're too busy fighting within ourselves. We don't know how to come together as people. You know, we don't have leaders today. You know, back in my time, we a little do. bit. They're just on the internet. We can shout them out later. We have some, and I think that now because we're used, we're starting to utilize the technology that we have. We're starting to see more of these leaders step up. Okay, well then that's that's they're just thing. not like worldwide leaders like Martin Luther King was. You know what I mean? Or Malcolm X. We have them. They're, you know, I'm gonna probably get a lot of backlash from what I'm about to say, and I'm, they're they're gonna probably go in like Flynn. <laughs> um. Dr. King and the Freedom Riders and all the Freedom Leaders, Dr. King, you know, and, and all his people that were with him, um, fought for equality, our freedoms. And this is my personal opinion. And desegregation. And desegregation. And I personally think, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna mention desegregation first before I talk about what I was about to say. Me personally, me and understand, this is my personal opinion. Everybody's free to their own. The worst thing that happened to the African-American community was desegregation. Because we bought into the bullshit world. We bought into the hype, everybody else's world. When that world wasn't equal, we bought into- And it was never gonna be equal, it's still not Right, equal. right. And so back to what I was about to say, we can come back to the desegregation because see, we as a people- We're stronger when we- We were stronger together. 
we were more in, we more innovative together. We had our own together. We had our, we were all, we were more resourceful together. Mm-hmm. We had our own banks, our own Wall Street, our own everything. We were created. We created this country. Mm-hmm. We everything in this country that exists that has been has been taught had had has been built upon and we utilize today. Brilliant, brilliant African American minds invented those things. They were then sold off or bought or manipulated. I guarantee you, if you do your research, there's not one African American family that still benefits from not one invention in this country today. I don't give a damn what it is. No African, show me one. Show me some descendants of any. Not from the traffic light all the way down to famous, show famous. Show me any <laughs> African American descendant that benefits from anything that was created by African Americans this day. I'll, 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 I'll go scrub their house for the rest of their lives on my hands and knees for free. They don't exist. So in my opinion, my personal opinion, desegregation was the worst thing that ever happened to African Americans. And you know why? Our problem started then. Now, Going back to what I was saying about Dr. King and all of the people that fought for our freedom. Dr. King, bless your heart. I personally, and people say, well, you're able to go to this school, go to that. I'm still wondering, what exactly did I benefit? Some people may say, well, Shalita, you're ignorant. Well, I mean, he fought for my freedom, for me to be able to ride the bus. Him and Rosa Parks, yeah, well, now I can ride the bus. I choose not to ride the bus, but now I can ride the bus and sit anywhere I want to sit. But does that mean they treated me any better? He fought for me to be able to work the jobs that everybody else, white folks, work. But did I get paid the same? They fought for me to be able to have fair housing. Do I get the same interest rate? Do I get the same interest rates? They fought for me to be able to do all these things of freedom. But am I really free? Well, to his defense, I will say that you can, and we as people can only fight to change the rules and laws. We cannot fight to, we cannot, no matter how much we fight, we cannot change the way people think. Right. So we can change the rules, but, but have the rules really changed? I mean, that's my whole question. The rule Has is the you rule can go to whatever change? school you want to go to. If they decide, excuse me, if they decide to let you in. If they, but meet, how do you, if they meet their quota. Okay, but how do you, there's no way to prevent somebody being an asshole. I agree. But had I stayed, had I stayed segregated. We wouldn't need, we would have would the best the, of the I, best. Absolutely. We in our own communities. Right, in our own communities. Yeah. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash in that. No, a lot of people feel that way. It's it's 50-50. Some people feel like, um, and that's why I'm playing devil's advocate, because I actually agree with you. I do. I, I feel like we should have had the choice of integration, but we should have still fought for building our own communities. Yes. I think they didn't really think it all the way through. No. They thought that. Because I, I, I want the it. freedom, and I appreciate my freedom to travel to go, to be a part, and to shop, and to live my life. I want the freedom of that, but I wish that they had have also instilled and had the meetings amongst each other like, hey, while we are fighting for these rights to be able to do whatever in their life and their communities, we still want to hold our community safe and continue to build our own up and make sure that nothing is more important than 
our community. But at the same time, whenever you desegregate, it's always, it goes back to the plantation. It's always going to be some black people that are going to worship or, or the other side, you know what I'm saying? Or kiss ass to the other side. It's always going to be some people that still going to value that more than they value their own. So to answer your question, how do we get to the solution? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about, I think it's a lot of solutions because it's a lot of problems. It's a lot of problems. So and, what's and, the, so what's one solution that you feel like, what were you about to say is a solution? I think we're naming some. One solution would have been to, or could be to con- now, because we can't go back to what they should have did. That's what I'm saying. We have to speak from today moving forward. Is say say this video blow up and millions of black people watch this. If we could rebuild our new world order and our structure and our community, what does that look like? What do those we've got to stop mean? fighting each other? We gotta stop hating each other. We gotta stop hating each other. But we've got to people... stop being jealous, crabs in the back. You know, I'm dealing with some personal shit now because of what somebody want me, want to be me, or want what I got. Why? When you can get your own, yeah. all you got to do is come, let's come together as people. What's meant to, what, what you, it's, jealousy stems from somebody doing something you wish you could do. Right. And, and instead of you taking it as, I wish I could do that, and I'm mad because they doing it, you should take it as, I wish I can do that. And because they doing it, I see I can. Absolutely. It's inspiring me Absolutely. to do it. And so, and then say, hey, how can I do that? Can, were you willing to teach me or can you help me? Or if I X, Y, Z, can we figure out a way that but I can be, you know, that's, 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 that's us coming together. But that stems from humility and everybody don't have it. So again, I feel like we can beat ourselves into the ground about character traits. We wish people had, we wish people were fair. We wish people didn't have uh, uh, jealous hearts. We wish people had the character trait of humility and being able to communicate their feelings and seeking knowledge, but everybody don't have that. So what are, that's what I'm saying. So we can't even continue to complain. I, I feel like, yes, the solution to jealousy is don't look at what people are doing as an insult to you or telling you what you can't do, but an inspiration of what you can do. Yeah. Right. But that's an emotional thing, and that takes a certain level of maturity that a lot of people may not ever reach in their lifetime. But what we can do as a people is, regardless of who you're jealous of or what you or what you want in life, work together within this community. Make sure that your community is good. But, and that's why, and that's why, and I try to, anything that I believe or I tell people to do, I try to be a person that is doing it. Before I practice what you preach. what I preach, and so for me, me practicing what I'm preaching as far as we talking about our community is, no matter how much money I make as a black person that lives in the city of Atlanta, I want to continue to stay in the black area. You know how a lot of people get money and and, and move to Alpharetta or move to Roswell or move out. No, 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 no shade on Alpharetta Roswell. They're beautiful communities, but we always, and I'm like, you, I want, I want to stay on the South side in the roots. I want to stay where I, you know, I feel comfortable. I feel welcome, but you know, but it's not, but it's, but let me finish. It's not even about just because I feel comfortable. It's because I see the value in, if I continue to grow at my network, my wealth, and I stay in this community and I be a voter in this community and I, my children have to go to schools in this community, then they, those things become of interest to me. 
Yeah. They don't matter once I make the and then I move to the north side. I don't care what the schools is like on the south side because I don't live on the north where most black kids are at. I don't I don't live there. Well, let me tell you what happens even there. Let me tell you what happened. That little thing called gentrification. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they the system has has devised a way to to make to tear us down no matter where how we how we slice the pie. Let me tell you how. We live in the south side of Atlanta. We stay here. There are a lot of older people the here. Swats. We live in the SWATs, right? Mm -hmm. And so the SWATs have become first. The SWATs were 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 not on anybody's radar. Older people could you know could stay in their homes. They could afford their homes. They could kept their homes up, and you know they were thriving and surviving. Then all of a sudden. Well, no, let's say that it was on radar. It was on our radar. It was as radar. Black, as black, black people. Black people, the black lawyers, the black doctors, the black successful people, they stayed in the spot. We stayed in the spot. down Cascade. All Benjamin but, but, May. But, but, but now, but hold on. But now, but now, you go in the grocery store and there are other people there that don't look like us. It's like, okay, well, what's happening? Now they realize that, hey, living in this black community, wow, it's valuable. It's convenient. It doesn't take you an hour to get from the airport to downtown Atlanta, to, to, to Cobb County, to Douglasville. So now... It's oh, prime location. It's a prime location. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden, you start to see, in order to get us out, property taxes start going up. Mm -hmm. Well, people that have been in their homes for many, many years who, who, who could afford to live off their resources now can't afford to stay in their own home. they got to choose between paying their utility, pay, paying their taxes versus, you know, not paying their taxes and the fear of losing their homes or paying some other bills, and, and, and they, they're on fixed incomes. So now the system is devised a way to more them out. Or a lot of us, a lot of people, a lot of us, like I said, get the money and we leave on our own. Whether the system is pushing us out, we move into, quote, unquote, their neighborhoods, Buckhead, these high-end neighborhoods that well, we're not wanted. Well, we're not wanted and we face all these issues. But then, like you said, they running back to our areas where, like you said, it's more convenient. It's in the city. And, yeah, the school system the, might. They realize that the property value initially is a lot cheaper than theirs. Mm -hmm. They can buy it you know, come in and renovate it. And you drive down Cascade now, you see all these new houses, new development. I appreciate the streetlights. Martin and Martin Light, Martin Hounds and stuff going they up. They up sidewalks and all of that. They, they, that's not, they didn't do all that when, when it was just us. No. So now it's becoming the issue where we can't afford to stay in our own communities. So they're pushing us out, pushing us out to the suburbs so now they can come back and take control of our area. And it's going to be so expensive by the time that they finish regentrifying and they, we won't have be able to move back in if we They've done to. it at every every part of Atlanta has been done. We should have... Perry Homes, all the projects. East Lakes. East Lake Meadow, prime, yeah. prime example. Prime example. Moreland Avenue. Prime example. Prime example. All of all of those, all of those areas. Yep, they they've gentrified them all, and now we can't even stay over there. I remember the Boys and Girls Club when I was growing up off Moreland Avenue, um, was was quote unquote the ghetto. I went to school with a lot of. You didn't go to school. I mean, not school. Um, Boys and Girls Club, like after school program in the because it was closer to your job in the city, but it was also close to Thomasville. It was close to Grant Park, and Grant, but Grant Park at that time wasn't nice, is what I'm saying. It was, it was struggling or low income. Grant Park was nice. Grant Park was 
Grand Park had no. It wasn't. It, it it started to be gentrified when I was growing up. But when I was them kids that was at the Boys and Girls Club had the silver cap teeth, and they mama they was free lunch at Inglewood. Yeah, they lived in Inglewood, Thomasville. They was living in the hood, but they were. It was in. It was around Moreland Avenue. Now when I ride through Moreland Avenue, it's. I went through when I was getting ready to buy that townhouse. I was going over there like, oh, let me look. This is a great area in the city. It's damn that million dollars for a two or three bedroom mm -hmm. in that area. And I'm like, this used to be Thomasville. But see, we have allowed that to happen to us. Because mm -hmm. we leave or we don't keep our, we don't pay our property taxes. We let them come in. So that's a solution. A solution is, and we have people, other, again, like I said, we do have people who are leaders right now that have been on this way for the last, I know, at least five years saying stop selling grandma house. Especially in Atlanta, we got T.I., um, Killer Mike, certain people that speak up and say, don't sell your houses in the hood. Buy up these houses and or don't sell grandma house. Keep y'all grandma or elderly people, pay their property taxes, keep it valuable so that we can continue to have ownership in our communities. That is one solution. Now, once we are still in these communities, now that we say we get to the point where everybody's saying in our community, we all in at this point where we're like living together in somewhat harmony right mm -hmm. then we need to step up and fight for better education absolutely because for our children because let me tell you something what happens is that when they decide to spend the tax dollars when people are looking to come into the city or they're looking to buy a house or they're moving from out of state or big corporations are moving to any part of the city you know the first thing they look at More. the school system what are the ratings in the school system? Yeah, that's how they choose. That's how they choose what area they're going to come in and develop and, you know, invest their money in. So we've got to do a better job of demanding equality. Now, I, I mean, you know, I say that with a grain of salt. Demand, we've been saying. even stop asking. My thing is stop asking and demanding them to do something, and we start doing it. Why do we keep looking? That is the issue that, like that's, you said, we point. kept we keep begging them to come save us when we won't just step up. If you were an educator, then you step up and be the best educator and create these programs to help other educators be the best educator that they can be. We got to stop looking for somebody else to save us, and we got to start being. If you got a solution that can help rally together with somebody else, I promise you it'll catch on like hot fire. You know but what I mean? But we won't do that. We as people, I mean, it's a trait. Some of us, and that goes back to, you know, people ask me from time to time, and I ran for public office. They say, you know, Robinson, you going to run for office again? I'm, no, nope, not going to do it. I'm burnt out. I, I, I've offered myself, my services to us, the black folks, and hell, they won't even show up to the poll to vote. So at some point, you get tired of trying to say, you know, I offered myself a public service because I thought, number one, I was qualified for the job, and number two, I always thought I had something to offer. I wanted to be that voice for us. I wanted. I, I became a public defender because I wanted to be that voice for 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 the for the less fortunate. Well, okay. Speaking you know? of that, I'm I think tight. that's one of the. You might be tired, and that's fair because you lived a long life, right? But I do feel like that is another solution. We need more of us, young black, brown people, in representation that 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 care about us in every labor of law enforcement whether it be public defenders to judges to the clerks to the police officers we need more of us that actually genuinely care about us in it that's the only way that we're going to change that system is from within i also feel like we have to do our part as citizens to vote 
I vote every single time there's ever an election, even if I don't always know who I'm voting for. I'm going to go in and try to do some research right before, basically, to see if I'm making an informed decision. But if before anything else, I vote because somebody literally walked from one state to another just for me to be able to vote. When you think about that, it's like... Let's go back to the Dr. King. That's what I'm saying. They, they got holes with fire holes and bitten by because dogs and beaten put in jail. and beat and put in jail and walked in them church shoes from Alabama to Georgia just so we could have the right to vote. And so I feel like it is a disgrace for every ancestor we have. If I don't at least go take drive my ass, they they was walking most places for me to be able to get in my car and drive somewhere to take Five day, not minutes out my day to and that's a, and that's a privilege that I take. That's a privilege. That's a privilege that I I take dear and near. I mean, it is truly dear and near to my heart. I vote every election, mm -hmm. and especially every locally. And if we have people that look like us that represent us running for office, and we do our research and we go out and actually vote to put these people in, then we are all collectively working towards bringing about real change. But it's a process. It it's, is. I know it is. But we have to talk lot. about what these processes look like in order, and then explain it. The, it is going to be people and people. people have to be committed to doing. It. I I know that, and that's what I'm saying. They can't. You can't get frustrated just because you don't see immediate change. Like, well, I voted this time, and this person won, or this person rigged the election, so I should. I'm just never voting again. It's a process, like she said. So you just got to take the time and commit to working. To I look at the world like this. Like this big room, right? This how I don't know why I always looked at the world like this. When I got to this room, it was dirty as hell. The world is a fucked up place, right? Now, while I'm in this room, the least I could do is make it a little bit better, whether it's just cleaning my little corner. Absolutely. If I just spend my time cleaning this little corner, is it gonna make the entire room spotless? No, but it helped. This little corner helped so that when somebody else come into the room, when my time is over, they can come in and make it a little bit better. And if we continuously each just make it a little bit better and do our part, then overall, later on in life, it will get eventually improved. Probably one percent is a couple hundred. It don't matter how long it takes, though. One percent of improvement every day still equals up to three hundred and sixty-five percent improvement over a course of a year. It takes time, but and it's not saying it got to be solved tomorrow. So just be committed to like 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 the late great Nipsey Hussle said, it's a marathon. Yeah, it's not something that's gonna happen overnight. So we got to get out there and vote. We talked about political. We talked about educational. I think, but even before we talked about community, right? We gotta get back to the family because I feel like that's where a lot of the dysfunction, the hate, the the jealousy, the <laughs> the character traits that we lack stem from rocky households or and you know and you know what i contribute the 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 root cause of that and the, you may disagree with me a lot of people may a lot of people say you know that she goes going back to the bible again but i don't necessarily going i'm not necessarily going to the bible but what i will say that a lot of times we've taken the spiritual relationship out of the family out of the schools and i think that when we were spiritually connected and you notice i didn't say religion yeah it's a different but when we when we are spiritually connected i think that 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 that's the that's the root of a lot of things mm -hmm. 
a lot of things because we, we, we hold on to certain values, regardless of what those values are. You know, it's, I, I say some basic yeah, principle of, of say, just saying wrong and right, you know. But also, we treat our family. Just basic privilege. Love that mother and father. You know, love that neighbor as ourselves. You know, some of those basic principles we've gotten away from because we have disconnected ourselves from our spiritual relationship with God. And for me, me personally, I cannot live. I have never been able to live or do anything in my life without a spiritual connection. I have always prayed about everything I do, you know, major decisions that I make, things that I've accomplished. I mean, I, I've, I've just always had to have that spiritual guidance and that comes, and that spiritual relationship I got from my mama, that spiritual relationship she got, she got from her mama, and that spiritual relationship, you know, so the spiritual relationship in the family, I think is what drives and, and, and molds us to being who we are. It builds those character traits. It's one of the things that helps. And I feel like the spiritual relationship, especially when a man has it and he's, if the man is in the household, right, and he's the head of the household, it gives a, a chain of command. It gives like a, a sense of accountability when everyone in the household has a spiritual connection because now we're not just walking around earth like we all God and we can make all our, it's like, when a man is God-fearing, he then has someone who he answers to. So he is going to regulate his household based on the principles that God has. He's going to, you know what I mean? Or even the mom, even if it's a single-parent household. And when she has God as the head of her life, she's accountable to God and his word or in, in his, his, his wishes or will for her life. So it's like you said, when you had a connection, it gives you um, those root core values, those those character traits and also that accountability. So it keeps you in track, sort of say. It makes you like, okay, even if you grew up, it's like, well, let me get back to what God got for me. And not to say that we're gonna always be perfect with that spiritual no. relationship. We're gonna make mistakes, things gonna happen. Accountability means you're not perfect. Absolutely, and and you know, and to me, if we, our, if we raise our children with that spiritual relationship, it helps to, in my opinion, it helps to mold their character mm -hmm. and helps to, you know, them to become better people and the people that they're ultimately meant to be. And I think that's, that's what's wrong with a lot of, a lot of people in this world. They, they, they don't have a spiritual connection because there's no way in the world you're going to tell me that a, a person who raising a child, let's say hypothetically, a kid, a 14, 15 year old boy, you're raising this boy. He, he, he gets it. He understands that spiritual connection. He's practicing that relationship with God. He's not going to go out there and take another boy's life. Right. He, he's not going to consciously go out there and, and, and carjack a man. He's not going to consciously go out there and... Not and, all of them. Right, and, and break in his neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just don't believe that to be the case. And some people say, well, you know, uh, my mother went to church every day and my father went to church every day. And, but that and don't we, mean you have a spiritual connection. That don't mean you have a spiritual relationship. See, yeah, you just and that's got a ritual. That, and that's a difference between taking a child to church... And building a relationship. And building and God. teaching a child to have a relationship with God. Yeah. You see, they should always say, you know, you had a, your parents was like your intercessors, you know, and you could, you, you, your parents, you live, we, we often say we're living on our parents' prayers. But I think it's important to teach your child how to pray for themselves, what that means, what that looks like, you know, and, I, and I've always tried to teach you and your, your sister that, you know, 
when you're reading the Bible and the Bible, the Bible says certain things, a lot of people say, okay, I know you're going to tell me though, you know why? And yeah, the Bible ain't meant for everybody. Well, the Bible's written by man. Well, the Bible says, okay, that might be, that might be true for you. But as for me and my house, you know, I chose, I choose to abide by certain principles and rules and, and part of, not part of, but what the principles that I choose to live by those I found in the Bible. And those principles and those rules have always, always served me and worked for me and worked for my children and worked for you and your sister. And now that we're teaching them to Morgan, you know, uh, and, and teaching them to, to Tristan as he gets older, you know, to pray every day, believe in your prayers, you know, and, and do certain things in your life on a consistent basis. And then watch and see the the fruit of your, your labor, you know, watch and see God trusting and believing, having that you know, that, that unconditional faith. So it's hard. I'm grateful that I had to raise you. I had an opportunity to raise you and your sister in the time and era in which I did. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely fearful now raising, you know, Tristan and Morgan in this world, in the society that we live in. Um, and it, and it, it becomes more and more difficult every day. Yeah. You know, so we just have to, we have to do our best and keep striving. You know, um, I think that the world is capable of changing, but we've got to start loving ourselves. Yeah. Part of that, part of that root problem, that root, that systemic issue. We don't teach our children, you know, how valuable they are. We, our children are our future. You know, we, 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 in order to, in order to survive and maintain and continue on and to eventually get to that 365 day of progress, we've got to start with teaching our children mm-hmm. that they matter, their opinions matter. You know, they, they, they play an intricate part in the survival of this world. But a lot of the times people, parents don't even have, especially in single parent homes, they don't have the mental or emotional capacity to pour that into their children. Well, you know, when <laughs> I was finished, they don't have the mental or emotional capacity to pour that into their children because they are trying so hard just to make ends meet and to survive. If a mom is in the home alone and she got to get the kids ready for school, get them out to go to work, drop them off, pick them up, make sure they got homework, make sure they fit, they got something to eat, make sure they did get everything ready for the next day of school. By the time she finished all that, it's 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. She is dead dog tired. She don't have time to have leisurely conversations about them mattering or their feelings or their emotions mattering. And that's not, a, that's not okay. I'm just saying that is the reality for most people. And to me, the solution to that reality or that, that issue is we need more two-parent households. That may be the solution, too. And the other solution is people, people, stop having children. Stop it. That's not going to happen. And two, I, this is another solution. That's not going to happen. Stop having all these damn children until you are ready to become a parent. Understanding what a but parent when you really means. But even the sacrifices that you're going to have to make. Making those sacrifices don't give you the time, though. That's what I'm saying. It's people who were ready, who waited till they were ready, and still, unfortunately, have to rate our still inflation and bills and all. You act like it don't matter how much I'm ready to be a parent, I still got to provide for it. Yeah. I, and, if, and the sacrifices that you talk about means a lot of the time the sacrifices are time. That is what is one of the sacrifices that I had to make because I'm the only person making these sacrifices or I'm the only one that can provide. 
So the real solution that can that five minutes. So you mean to tell what I would say, fine time. That's all I can say. Steal those five minutes at the dinner table. Steal those five minutes that he's watching his video game. Steal that five minutes before he goes to bed. Steal that 10 minutes while you're getting him dressed in the morning to go to school. I mean, and when I say find the time, that that's what I'm speaking about. Okay, find, that's fair. Find that five, 10 minutes on Saturday mornings. Find that time, you know, on Sunday mornings or whatever your off days are. Find that little extra time. Spend that little extra 10 minutes. But how do we, even greater than that, okay, that's, you're right, we can steal the time. But how do we rebuild the family unit so that so many people are not struggling in single parent homes? Like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I am, I don't know why I'm such a big advocate for single mothers because I've never, I don't have a child, I'm not a single mother and I didn't grow up in a single mother home. I always had a two-parent household, but I, I just hate to see single moms get the bad rep that they get. And I'm not saying that any of this is their fault. And I don't think it is at all, but I'm saying the solution to me would, for us to have more two-parent homes. So my thing is like, how do we restore that two-parent household? Because, because, and Tom said this as well, from plantation to present day, breaking up the family, the black family unit has always been profit for this country. So they're profiting off of us when we aren't together as a family unit. And we know in the plantation, they would sell us, they would uh, emasculate the black man, they would tie one leg to one horse and tie another leg, hit the horses and make a rip them apart in front of the wife and the children so they could see that they control their household and, and they control their family. So I feel like we have to get to a point where we are hell bent on restoring that black family unit. Well, I don't think you got a lot of, and you know, I'm gonna get back, backlash from this, but I don't think you got a lot of black women running away from the household. I don't think that it's always a lot of black men running. I think. So we've got this to get our thing. black men to stay in the household. I don't even think that it's always, first of all, I'm playing devil's advocate, right? Now I do, I, we can't say always. And each of these instances and examples that we're giving are unique and all exist in their own right. So one is not the complete statement for all black people. Mm -hmm. The other is not the either, but Yes, you do have some black men that leave. You also have, as far as I know, most of the time women break up with niggas, with men. Most of the time, divorces are filed by women. So it's not that, let me finish, it's not that anybody's leaving or running. It really is we are mating with the wrong people. We're not taking time to really learn each other because had you took the time to date and find the right mate, Neither one of y'all will be up and ready to leave or move or uh, leave the or file for divorce. But let's go even better though. Why is that so? Because men are just so eager to lie to every woman he meets just to get in her panties, and then they, you know, she's pregnant, and then that. No, uh, it's not even that. That's not even the case. I don't think that every man is lying. Cause like even me, right? I've dated. I don't. I don't. I. I've had. Yeah, I've come across some jerks, but in a lot of my relationships, I ain't had that many. But in the few that I have majority weren't the one for me but it wasn't because they were lying to me it wasn't because they were trying to get something over me it's just that it takes time to really date to mate and mingle and see if you are compatible it, it you we think that chemistry is the only thing that's necessary for compatibility and it's not and i think that we as 
as we haven't had in our culture, in our community, as black people, we never had the time or privilege to think about what it really looks like to date purposefully because we've always just been trying to survive. But now that we end this and we see that, hey, if we don't start dating purposefully, if we don't start mating purposefully, then we gonna continue to have a bunch of broken homes. And so now we have to really sit down and look like, what does that look like? We can't just date off of survival like our grandparents and, and past generations have. We have to now, because we're in a unique space and time, we have to now start thinking about, is this person, because I could have ruined my life a couple of times, Think just based off of he nice, he treat me good, we got good chemistry and this, this and that, but is this my purpose mate? Is this somebody that um, God has ordained for me to truly be with? Can I make it work with somebody? I can, I'm a likable person. I'm, I'm really easy going. Most shit don't even bother me. It roll off my back. So I can work it out with anybody. Like most people have for this 20 older generations of people who've been married for 40 years, they don't even like each other for real, but they just working it out because for the sake of working it out. So that's what I'm saying. But if we want to really be happy and build healthier homes, then we need to look at and restructure what our dating life looks like and how to date purposefully. And we gotta be patient. And we've got to ask God to send us that right purposeful mate. Mm -hmm. I truly believe. And that goes back to everything I said. And I'm not living a fairy tale. I'm not being unrealistic. Like I said before, everything in my life that has met a major decision, a major factor in my life, I prayed for it. And I've been patient and waited for it. When I asked God to send me the right mate for me, and I was very detailed about every aspect of that mate that I wanted. I was very detailed, and I've always told you that, and I've always told your sister that. I was very detailed. Now, I got some things I didn't necessarily ask for, <laughs> you know, as you have, but, 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 but I'm good with it. And those things that I got extra, I'm good with those. Yeah. But I had to be patient and I waited because I knew what I needed. And you've got to be true to yourself. I wasn't out there just, Oh yeah, I had plenty of opportunities. I just could have dated around. I mean, I had folks knocking at the door, but why? That wasn't what I wanted. That wasn't what I prayed for. And that wasn't what I was willing to settle for. Yeah. So I settled, I waited. I waited patiently for my mate. So and I prayed for my mate. And although when my mate came, I didn't realize that was the one for me. And when I realized, I was like, oh God, I did pray for that. Thank you, Lord. And therefore, when he sent it to me, I knew then that it, I had to respect it. I couldn't disregard it. Oh, you know, I got it now, so, you know, I can go, you know, play around with it. No, I don't work that way. You see, we, I believe, and this is my personal opinion, everybody ain't got to agree with me, but I believe part of the problem, it goes back to that relationship, that spiritual relationship mm -hmm. that you've got to have and you got to have that faith and you got to be patient. Because guess what? I knew six years into a 21-year relationship, I should have been gone. I stayed for the wrong reasons. But that 15, it took me 15 years praying for the right mate before I got it. Mm -hmm. So I could have done a lot of things in that 15-year span, but I chose to stay. Even though I now look back and say it was for the wrong reasons, but... I did it. It happened. I don't regret it. I don't regret anything in my life because that was always a lesson and something to be learned from it. But I will say that we as people have got to get back 
to that spiritual connection. Our own individual spirit. I don't care if you're praying to, to, to Jesus Christ, to Buddha, to Muhammad. You've got to get a higher power or a higher power. You got, we got to get back to that. That to me, that is a, that is the, 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 this, the, the root to solve all of our issues, a whole lot of our issues. Mm -hmm. So, and I also think that when we are dating, cause you can be praying for this mate, right? And just because you're praying for something don't mean you're going to get it instantaneously. Absolutely. And sometimes when you're praying for the devil will answer some of your prayers thinking like God will allow the devil to give you what look like your prayers answered. Right. In the meantime, when you waiting for God to really answer your prayers. So don't, so take the time before be patient, be patient, but also take the time to really assess and get to know these people God, before you go having children and, and build this with them. Go back to that that checklist that you made. God, I asked for this, 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 this. See, God ain't gonna give you half of what you asked for. You see, if you're if you're specific in, in terms of your checklist and the desires of your heart, mm -hmm. if you write down that list and be detailed in it, he will send you what you ask for. You see, I heard Steve Harvey say one time, and I almost wanted to jump up. See, when you get on your knees and you pray to your higher power about whatever it is you want, he makes a note. He writes it down for you. He sends it off. You just don't know when you're going to receive it. So you got to be patient and wait on that delivery. And so once you get that delivery, you have to understand and be able to recognize that this is the delivery I this is what I prayed for. And then that's when you compare your notes to what you got. And if it don't check every box on your list, then that didn't come from the, that wasn't what you prayed for. And you can ask and pray like when you are confused for discernment and God, show me, is this what you want? And you know what? Every time, make every, it clear, make it plain. Every time I've asked for that discernment, it, that discernment comes quick. Yeah. And it's like, okay. I'd be scared to ask for it. Right. You, you, you ignore it. And then it's like, mm, I asked for that child. And then you've got to face it. Yeah. So you, you have to be careful. And I don't care, people, they may disagree with me. So, oh, you know, you, you know, you're trying to believe and live in the Bible. I'm just telling you what works for me, what has worked for me in my life and in my household. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the way I raised you. And, that, and haven't I always told you to believe, to pray for everything you desire? Yeah. From the time that you were a little bitty kid, up until, and I still tell you, even when we have conversations now, I still tell you what, you gotta pray, you gotta pray about that. You gotta ask God for that. And you gotta, whatever your desires and your, your petitions are, you've got to believe and have faith. You see, there's a, there, there, there's a, there's a chapter in the book and the believers, Mark, who talks about praying, having faith of what you pray for. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's there. I think it's Mark 16, 11. Okay, and it know. says that whatever you pray for, mm -hmm. you've got to have faith and believe that you're going to receive those things and you shall have what it is you you pray for. But you got to have that, that unconditioned faith. Yeah, I agree. So praying for this mate, being specific when you're praying for this mate, um, asking for discernment after you meet different options for that mate to see if this is the person that God really wants you to do. Really take that time before you make life decisions or start having children and building families with people because once you bring them children in this world, it ain't no going back. Oh no, they're here, baby. You can't return them. 
you're stuck with them. Yeah. And then once children do become involved in the household, I'm sure I've never, you know, been at this stage, but I'm sure that it changes the dynamic of the relationship completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because now it's not about you and them anymore. It's about that one. But I think that one thing that I do want to implement when I have children with my husband and my purpose mate, that I want us to continue to, even if we have to schedule, but prioritize time for us to continuously build us up. Because yes, children are the priority in the household, but if the foundation isn't right, those children will suffer. Absolutely. So doing things like, you know, scheduling a routine date night every, every whatever, hey, whatever, even whatever within the house. For, whatever works for your household. Whatever works for you. But I'm saying, I think a lot of people need to continue to still not just date, but build enjoy your, each other. Enjoy each other and build that relationship up so the love don't die. Because yeah. children are like life suckers. They suck the life out of everything. Well, no, you and your sister didn't quite suck all the life out of me. You got I know, a great one, but I, I don't know. About Everybody's that. not blessed with a good kid. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm so glad you think highly of yourself. You know, touche. I'm, I'm glad you think I, that highly of yourself. But you were a handful. Yeah, and kids. And, and, but but it goes back to what we said in a, another episode. People have to understand that when they decide to have children. They're going to be sacrifices, and those sacrifices are going to have to be priority for those children. And that's that's just that's just the way it is. And if you think that you're going to have a kid and you're not going to have to make some sacrifices, you're living in a you're living in a in a, in a cra- you're living in an unrealistic world, you know, because there's no way around it. Children require so much of you your time, your energy, your, your mind, your everything, your heart, you know, and you got to give it to them. You got to give it to them. Mm-hmm. And there's no way around it. So, yeah, you got to find time to balance that relationship with the children and your mate. You got to make each other a priority. We've really covered a lot of root systemic issues um, in our community today, everything from voting to education to rebuilding the black family to restoring for finding your purpose made to uh, welfare and even desegregation. I feel like we know a lot of backlash about that desegregation. I, first of all, fuck the backlash. Yeah. You know, but also I don't think you will because a lot of people, you'll be surprised, a lot of people do feel that way as well. Um, it's not, uh, you're not the only person that's ever said that. So anyways, moving forward, hopefully some of these are solutions that you can are already doing, but hopefully you can start doing them and then implement them and, and tell others so we, that we can all get on the same page. You know what I would love to be able to do? We need to have a meeting of the minds. You know what I would love to be able to do? What? I would love to be able to come out of my house, walk several blocks down the street and we've got this big big community garden well this community garden but a big community a big big nice parked own grocery store me too and it's stopped you know i would love to have a black owned grocery store in our neighborhood on the south side Mm -hmm. own and operate it with quality products yeah my black african-american I would love to be able to go to 
um, a nice black-owned coffee shop. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you can go in in the morning, you can sit, you can eat, you know, drink your nice cup of coffee, and it's black-owned and operated, and they've got the breakfast, and they've got the, the vegan options, and they've got coffee and juices, and, you know, that would be really, really nice. That starts with black economic health and black financial literacy and i think that um we didn't touch on it much this episode but the but, problem but, the but problem. we touched on it in previous episodes of how we can continue to grow as black financial literate people but what were you gonna say what's the problem we won't patronize each other oh we complain about when the service is bad or your order ain't right but you don't do that at chick-fil-a no you don't do we won't at, we won't patronize each other yeah at other businesses when when they mess up your order, we don't we don't give us half the grace that we give other companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We we rather so quick to be done with us. Rather rather than come in and patronize it, our kids will go in and you know vandalize vandalize it, steal from it, tear it down. So, I mean, it's it's sad, you know. But the Jews can do it. The Chinese do it. They do it in our neighborhood. Yeah, and we be the main ones shopping. Yeah. Yeah, but they and they also not to say that it's it's an excuse, but every other community of people have had a way greater head start than we have. But if we start now, but you know what the Chinese do? We start now, it can matriculate, and so in a couple years, in a couple decades, we won't care about how much head start they had because we so smart, we'll catch up. You know what the Chinese do? We don't do. They pull their resources together. We, we as people, we won't do it. That's what we have to do. I think that's what we were talking about this entire episode is pulling together our resources, pulling together our knowledge, pulling together and using each other to help each other build up and continuously grow the entire community. So hopefully some of these tips and tricks were helpful and you can implement and use them going forward. So now comes the time of the episode to do For the Record. You hear any For the Record? For the record, where well, we set the record straight, I appreciate all the civil rights workers and movements. You know, um, I can't say that I've benefited personally from affirmative action, but I will. I will say that I understand and I, I, I've seen the benefit of it. You have benefited. How? You think your black ass would have been able to work for the city of Atlanta if they didn't have affirmative action? Well, the affirmative action, I said I benefited from affirmative action, but not directly. Not that part. That is directly. You had a job. But it came many, many years before me. And, you know, they, so, they were, they were, they, they, they. I'm still for benefiting for, for the things and laws that were put in place many, many years before me. Okay. Well, I, well, I shouldn't say that I didn't benefit from, I benefited from them personally. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so. What I'm saying is that I'm not a hater. I'm not, I don't think that, I'm not saying that I don't think that was value yeah. and everything that Dr. King and the freedom movements and all that, all that stood for and fought for. I just think that while, while, while they fought for those freedoms and movements. It was a lot of parts they didn't, they stones they left unturned. Yes. And probabilities they didn't take into factor, yes. but they knew what they knew at that moment, and not what the. And I'm not could be. so sure that it was necessarily for our greater good. Mm -hmm. They hijack all everything and and water it down to their benefit anyway. 
And so that's why we got to, and I mean, like the people that used Martin Luther King, I'm sure whatever president was running at that time, passed certain laws and asked for King to be a part so that he could look good for his political, you know what I mean? Like it's always yeah. something deeper to it that. Right. So I, as a millennial, know that I have benefited greatly from every single black person that has sacrificed their life um, their voice, their platforms in every generation up until now, I don't think I could have the privilege. And I think that every young person should think like this. I wouldn't have the privilege to live the luxurious life that I live. I don't have to work a nine to five. I don't have to, I have the choice to be whomever and do whatever I want now because of the sacrifices that they've made. And I'm internally grateful for it now were they all perfect were they plans and ideals perfect no but that's why I feel like it is up to us and every generation after us to continue to do our part because none of us are going to be perfect this my generation ain't perfect your generation weren't perfect Gen Z or X whoever they is they not perfect and the ones after that mortgage them generation not going to be perfect but if we all do the best that we can it'll get a little bit better so, for the record, I'm grateful for everything y'all did, whether it worked out 100% or not. Um, so now we are moving on to the part of the episode where we do I Want to Know, where we have to ask each other something that we want to know and be brutally honest about it. You got I Want to Know? You go first. You don't got one. I have one. I will go first. This is not mine. This one is coming from a viewer, so I want to know which yours is. Um... If you had 20 bucks, what would you spend it on? $20. If you had your last $20, what would you spend it on? $20? I mean, I'm going to be, $20 ain't nothing. I can't spend it on shit. <laughs> it ain't going to be enough to spend. I'm going to have to rub it together and hope that it make 40, <laughs> then 50, then 60. That's $20 is nothing. If I had $20, my last $20, I don't believe in having like I don't even think like that. Like I don't no money is gonna be my last money. My money money is a tool that come from up here. I have abundant wealth because I have an abundant mindset. I don't care if somebody came and took everything I had, I'm gonna make me some more money. Ain't none of it's gonna be my last. Okay. I I I I'll accept You gonna have to put me in the I'm talking about I would have to literally be in the hospital bed with a feeding tube and they also cut my tongue out my mouth for me not to be able to make no money because I will prop that camera up in the hospital bed and report live from Grady like I'm gonna make some money some kind of way okay fair enough I don't need how that kind of mindset okay fair enough fair enough I would maybe flip it fair enough I sell something that's valuable I'll go buy some weed for the low and then sell it <laughs> I don't know. I would. I, that was saying it would never. It would never be my last. All right, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. So this I want to know comes from Korean Barbecue underscore eighty six on Instagram. Um, she wants to know: Have we always been close? Hell no. No, we have not. Hell no. We've Hell. always been this honest. Well, I might have lied. <laughs> We've always been um, raw with each other, I would say. 
honest with each other. Yeah. That's the only way that I've known to be with you and my children and my son. No, like, no, she lied. I, I, I did I want to say we got to be honest with each other around the eight when I was 15. Yeah. That's when we got to be like honest. Straight up because, honest. Because there were certain things that I, I, as a parent, I chose to protect you from and just not share with you. A lot of me. I wasn't lying to you, I just didn't share. But parents think, and that's one of my things that I be telling my friends who have kids. Now you think you protecting your child, but really you're lying to your child and you're teaching your child how to lie and be lied to. And so it's way, sometimes if you just be honest with children, they are way more receptive and receive whatever you think you protecting them from. Let's take it with a grain of salt. But we as adults have so much emotional, intellectual um, comprehension that we think because we feel it this way or we think it's this complicated that our that a five or seven year old is gonna think it that complicated. And they really don't. I remember, for example, um, two weeks ago, Trisha, when they came over to the house, right? I'm sitting on the couch with Trisha and Morgan. They playing with Evie, one of my dogs. And they said, Trisha just randomly said, well, where is Rose? which was my other dog that died last year, right? And so we had never explained to them that Rose died because it just never came up. And of course you don't, you want to protect children from it. So as soon as he said, where's Rose? Didn't you have two dogs? I immediately tensed up and got nervous like, oh shit, I got to explain to him that this dog died and this is such a heavy topic and this is so deep. You know, I thought so deep about it as an adult because I know what that really means and how we could make him feel. But instead, I said, just be honest. I said, Rose went to doggy heaven. He said, what does that mean? And, and Morgan said, that means he never coming back. <laughs> and, and he said, okay. He said, wait, she never coming back? And I was like, yeah. He was like, okay. And didn't give a shit. <laughs> But we as in, but I was just honest, you get what I'm saying? So I feel like parents, we be, or adults, we think it's so much more to it than to just tell the truth. Yeah. Just tell the truth. That's a lot to be said. So we've grown to this point of. We've grown to this point of closeness and honesty and transparency with each other. But one thing that she has always allowed is for me to vocalize my opinion. And because of that, I've gotten more confident and more open about how I truly feel. Mm-hmm. Nobody much. Yeah. Not for my mama, a nobody. And you know, I don't, I don't regret that. I remember when you were, when you were little, people had so many opinions of what a parent should do, shouldn't do, and allow their children to do, even to the point of the topics. I got one time getting a bunch of backlash about a particular book that I was allowing you to read. And I had a conversations with you, with one of your teachers at school, and I said, well, you know, Sabrina is a very good student. She's a very good reader, and she enjoys reading um, very mature books. And some people have said that these books are not appropriate for her age group. And the teacher told me, she said, you know what? Don't worry about what people are saying as, about long, as, what, I'm reading. as long as she's reading that's the key she's reading and i said from that point on whatever you want to buy and that was our thing we'd take it to the bookstore every paper we would, it would take it to the bookstore and we'd buy you books and there were no limits as to what you could buy you know and you were back then you were in the what fourth fifth grade reading zane and i'm thinking oh my god 
Some the coldest one ever. Yeah, the more the, the black very, girl. It was really explicit, and there were some co- topics in conversation. But you know, there were life lessons in those books, and she was reading. So that you know that the fact the fact that you were reading allowed you to do well on your test and do well on your exams and score well on your you know on, on your standardized testing and things. And so we get so caught up into you know. The, the 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 appearance versus the substance yeah and that's what that's what we've got to stop doing as parents well i have to say shout out to buzzo because i only started reading like that in those books because i remember he was reading the coldest one ever one time i was oh i think he was staying with granny at this point i was probably like in third grade and i was like what is you reading it like he was just so into it he read it in like a day and then he was like you want to read it here he let he gave me the book and that was Honestly, besides like those little kid books that you have, that was my first novel. And I read that book was so good. I read it in like two days. And I was like, oh, Buzz, oh, that book was so good. What other books you got? So then he introduced me to Fly Girl. And from Fly Girl, then I got into the next grade, you know, and then I started reading Zane and, and all the way up to when I was in college. I used to call Buzzo to get good books from him to read and he put me on Jerome Dickey, one of the, the a good, when that, that was his favorite author. And we would read, even when I was at Gremlin, I don't even know if you knew this, I would go to Gremlin's local library and check out all, I had checked out every Jerome Dickey book they had and I would read them and me and Buzzo would, we had our own little book club, even when I was in college. So shout out to Buzzo, he introduced me to that. But let your children read whatever they want to read, at least yeah. they read them. Absolutely. Um, Korean barbecue underscore 86 also wanted to know what were we doing before podcasting and what made us want to start? I was minding my own damn business. Okay. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I was minding my own damn business. This is, we started out about three, four years ago. Yeah. In the pandemic, we yeah. used to go, Insta- we used to go live on Instagram. Well, we, yeah, we used to go live on Instagram with the mummy and me Moet moments. Mm-hmm. And so we would, you know, pop a bottle of champagne and we would just talk about things and people, Start liking our conversations, and we she started. got she got a little shy, and then didn't want to do it no more. And I decided, you know, I didn't want to do it anymore. So we took a break. But if you want to see those original episodes, they still up on my YouTube. You can see them. But before we were doing that, I mean, we've just living our normal lives. I'm working, you know, um, my job. She's working her job. We're just normal people. So we're not full time pod. Well, she's not a full time podcaster. She she runs a construction company. And I, of course, you know, have done radio as well as talk show, TV. I've always been a talker. Can't you tell? No. Um, no, because you do most of the talking here. That's why. You don't let nobody get a word in. I do. No, no I don't. don't. I listen to you. No, you don't. But anyway, okay. every time I talk, you cut me off. No, I don't. And I let you, then I let you go on a rant and a dissertation okay. for 15 minutes. All right. And then I have to reel you back in. All right. Okay, but anyway. Apple don't fall too far from the tree. Exactly. Okay, well, yeah. So that's why we started. That's why we're here. And just to shed light on some different views and opinion. You know, I'm I'm more the old school. She's more the millennial. And, you know, we don't agree on ways of doing things. And, you know, here we are. That's what makes talking it so about. Good. Here we are talking about Because if we was in the pure green on everything, that would be boring. You gotta give something to keep the people going. I agree. Well, anyways, thank y'all for going and going with us and continuing to go with us because we're gonna go even further. And we're gonna continue to bring you Mommy and Me each and every Monday. So thank y'all for tuning in this week. Let us know your favorite moments. 
if you got any solutions for the black community that you think that we might have missed or areas that we can improve on, drop them below so we can grow. Because like I said, we never know how far this episode will go and how many people to reach. And so hopefully these solutions will help and we can start rebuilding our community. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you haven't done so, please make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Stay tuned. You never want to miss an episode. See you later. She's Brie Renee and I'm Miss... They know that by now. We don't got to say that. Okay. Bye-bye. Cut.